Welcome to the Bridgetown Church Podcast. For the month of February, we are honoring Black History Month. Each week, members of our church family will be sharing stories that acknowledge and celebrate Black history from both their lived experiences and the world at large. Hey, aloha, Bridgetown Church. I'm Jaron, and I'm here with Anthony Holton, who has been a really close friend of mine for a number of years. I mean, man, we've done from Call of Duty at late nights to early conversations around coffee and manhood and race and ethnicity and the church and everything in between. So I'm super grateful that you're here with us this morning, Anthony. Thank you for being here. Yeah, man. Glad glad, glad to be here. Yeah. So, bro, why don't you tell us and tell the church a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. So, yeah, my name is Anthony. I've uh, been going to Bridgetown for around seven years. Kind of brief hiatus in there in, in the middle. Very, very brief. Uh, but yeah, I'm originally from LA, but kind of have come to call Portland home, moved here when I was kind of young, which we'll get into, but, um, yeah, no, we've, we've, we've become great friends and, you know, this community and this city has, has meant a lot to me. Mm. Yeah. Rest in peace, Tilt, even though we've had most (laughs) of our brotherhood times there. (laughs) I know, I was sad to see it go. (laughs) So in low of Black History Month, can you give us a bit more about how Black History is actually deeply personal to your story? Yeah, yeah. So um, both my parents are from L.A. Um, my dad went to Pasadena High School. My mom went to Crenshaw High School. Um, it's where I was born. I was born in, in 92 in L.A., so just after, I guess, the L.A. riots, um, which I had no recollection of. Uh, wow. But yeah, I kind of grew up in the View Park, Windsor Hills area, which I guess has a history of being called the Golden Ghetto or kind of the Black Beverly Hills, so a very important community and space. Um that a lot of black history was kind of made in. So that was kind of where I was born in my early years, um, kind of started. Yeah. And I guess what has informed, you know, a lot of who I've grown to become out of that. So, yeah. Very cool, bro. And we all know now that you ended up coming to Portland. So what was your experience like moving from LA in that space, in that place and coming to a city like Portland? It was very, it was very interesting. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I was I was I was really young, man. So I think a lot of like dealing with that or just working through that was um didn't have words for mm. or kind of language for um because I was a, I was around 10. Um and so I I first kind of experienced it as as trying to, you know, pick up the pieces of making new friends and all this stuff. Um but even when we moved here, we moved to kind of the Beaverton area, Peter Court area. Um, but I went to school in North Portland, so I went to Holy Redeemer my first year here. Um, and I remember, I remember my dad telling me why, because we had we had obviously had schools really close to us. Why was I going to school way out there? Um, and he worked out out that way. Um, he was a, a college basketball coach. Uh, but I remember him telling me it's because that that school had a nicer like basketball court, so I'd have more fun there. Um, which in hindsight, I'm like, I don't think that's the reason. Um, <laughs> That you know the demographics of North Portland looked a lot different than yeah. than where we were living, and so I think they were really mindful of trying to ease that transition or that shift for us, which yeah I appreciate. Um, and I think after that, just eventually going to schools a bit closer to where I lived, um, there being this kind of uh, this feeling of like constantly being watched mm. a bit, because even like even the school in North Portland, which like you know seems a lot more diverse compared to LA where, you know, my classes in elementary school were probably half black, maybe a quarter Mexican and a quarter white. Um, 
yeah, uh, uh, coming to school here, I was one, probably the only in my class, maybe one other, and then one of a handful within the school as Jeez. a whole. So it was just a huge shift. And and I think how I would describe it was like, yeah, just a feeling of of being watched. Um, and it got worse, like going to schools close to where I lived. Um, you know, I eventually went to, you know, Cedar Park Middle School, Stoller Middle School. And it's just like, you have all these eyes on you all the time and you feel it and you're, you're young. So you like, you don't know how to, how to make sense of that kind of. And so that's how I think my experience kind of started out and, and was, was shaped. Um, and with that came a lot of like, you know, comments and things from my peers, um, which we can get into. But yeah, I think that's sort of the high level of what that, that move meant. Wow, man. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and could you tell us a little bit about, you know, we've talked about this earlier, but that sense of that felt division in you that started to, that you started to discover going back and forth in different parts of the city. Um, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was tricky because like, you know, the experience on one side of the city, so like the west side, um, having classmates who had a lot of, you know, preconceived notions about like what a black person should be or act like. Um, Cause a lot of times like they haven't encountered many. And so they're like, oh, the only black people I've seen are like on TV or in the media. So you must be like that. Um, and, and sort of prescribing behaviors or, or things to me that, you know, I'm young. I'm like, I don't think that's me, but you know, yeah, just dealing with that. And then um, I also was really involved in like sports and stuff. So I would mm -hmm. go from the West side to the East side um, for practices and stuff like that. So I would go from like Stoller Middle School to Jefferson High School because I played on a travel team that practiced there. And just the difference in worlds was just huge. Yeah. Um, and one thing that was interesting about it was that, you know, in the context, you know, on the West side, um, kind of being a fish out of water and being like kind of a token black person in the eyes of a lot of a lot of kids um but then going kind of to the to the east side and them looking at me like oh where where are you from you know like wow oh you're from that side of town you know you 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 must be you know uh you must be x y and z but one thing's for sure is you know and it wasn't like too bad but there's a sense that like you're not you don't live here you're not kind of you know a part of our daily lives so yeah. we don't know what to make of you and so being constantly caught between those two I think I started to feel um, a sense of division or, or kind of conflict and like, oh, wow, this is, this is, yeah, something different. Yeah, man. And that, wow, makes a lot of sense. And then you even started, you know, telling me about some of the almost like tools or ways of coping with that resentment, like code switching and comments. Do you want to talk a little bit about that too, that started to come up in your adolescence and even teenager space? Yeah, for sure. Because uh, like I mentioned, like being so young and being met with um, a lot of different perspectives or views or expectations of how you should act or speak um, or behave, you don't really know at that age how to defend yourself or yeah. how to, you know, what is even true about you yet. Um, and so over time, not having the right words or language, you just start feeling, you know, you just start feeling like angry about it and yes. almost like frustrated um, that you can't express or convey who it is you are. Um, and I think over the years that kind of built for me, um, you know, and in, in, in dealing with it, you know, from the white side, but also from the black side of, you know, uh, 
not necessarily living in proximity to to people who look like me, um, but feeling a sense of community or closeness um, that wasn't always kind of there. So that I think all of that just added yeah. to that feeling and just built built up over time. Um, and you know, before kind of more recently, not knowing how to reconcile those things or or figure out um, who it is I actually was in the midst of all that. So yeah. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That was really deep and real. And I think just gives a lot more contour and perspective to the Black experience, um, even here in our city, particularly. Um, I just want to ask, how are you, because I know this is something that's ongoing in your life. It's not just stuck in the past. This is like a part of your present. How are you currently making sense of those experiences that you've had of going back and forth and the resentment that started to stir and the the code switching and the releasing of pain, all of those things. How are you working through that? Yeah, I think it's been an interesting journey to this point um, because I think I'd it's previously been kind of hard to to talk about or put into words. I kind of found that like, depending on who I was talking to, I'd have to like give them a version of my story or what, you know, those experiences. And so now I think just the work of trying to integrate all that um, and to just own it, you know, to just be like, yeah, I kind of grew up in a, a few different contexts and kind of had to go back and forth between the two. Um, and I think a, going back and revisiting a lot of those experiences when I was young, you know, of, of classmates making comments about um, stereotypes or, you know, kind of racist beliefs they had heard. Um, and recognizing that, you know, that those were kind of set out of a place of, of ignorance, of just not knowing. You know, um, which is hard to kind of grant, but I found over time that like, you know what, I'm not, it doesn't serve me to, to, to hold that against them. You know, they're young too. So um, trying to, 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 to understand from their perspective, you know, what was new or different or um, yeah, things that they did not know. Um, and also, yeah, just, just all of the things that people have inherited, you know, from their parents and from older generations or from history um, that they had no part or, you know, weren't conscious of, but sort of repeated and, and put upon me, recognizing that, you know, they're informed by their experiences and their perspectives too. So not 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 making it a personal thing or a resentment thing, but trying to understand the the kind of broader forces at work um, has really helped me, I think, to, to build that empathy. Man, thank you for sharing that, Anthony, particularly the the space of developing empathy um, and how have you developed empathy for yourself mm. yeah I think part of how that's happened for me is recognizing you know that my experience doesn't necessarily fit neatly into any particular box because I grew up in you know a few different contexts and kind of moved around but that my experience exists between those contexts and not feeling like that's uh, less than or weird or different because, you know, it's not neat or normal, but recognizing that that itself is an expression of my blackness, you know, that I grew up where I grew up and I lived my life and went to school in, in, in different environments. And all of that adds up to, to who I am today. And so instead of being frustrated or, or longing for, you know, belonging in a very particular or specific uh, recognizing that I am who I am and 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 somewhere between you know these pre these uh <laughs> preset boxes or or 
or things um, is where I kind of live. Um, and, and I think for me, realizing and, and kind of letting go of, or yeah, just acknowledging that like, I can't necessarily say, you know, like a lot of people that like was born and raised in, in a particular neighborhood and it's where I lived my life and did all this, that um, that's not a luxury I get to say. And so just owning that, you know, and, and recognizing that that's, that's who I am is, is kind of been what's helped me to, to come to terms with that and be proud of it, honestly. That's so real, brother. That is so real. Um, my last question to you before we jump off of this is if you could go back and see your younger self not being able to express those um, emotions and loneliness and in between two worlds, you know, what would you tell your younger self? Ooh, that's tough. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I would what I would tell myself, but I think what I would want my younger self to feel or know is that like you may not have words for what's happening to you yet or what you're experiencing yet, but that is going to be okay, you know? And yeah, there'll come a time when you can kind of unpack it all and kind of figure it out. Um, yeah, it may be awkward or or weird to have to go between worlds constantly and 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 kind of code switch, but you'll figure it out one day and you'll you'll find a way to bring it all together. So yeah, that's I guess that's like the gist of what I would want my younger self to feel. Beautiful, brother. Thank you for sharing. Well, again, Anthony, I just want to say on behalf of Bridgetown's like the church and our family here, thank you so much for sharing your story and for contributing to Black History Month, both in celebration and awareness, but also in family here at the church. So thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for sharing your story, brother. Yeah, man. No problem. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Black history, Oregon's past racism, and Bridgetown's vision for the future, visit bridgetown.church justice.